Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service and podcast for today, Sunday the 1st of October. And the recording comes live from Drung last week, where we were looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and the challenge from the preacher to be those who think about we, not me, uh, living life in community. So I'll hand you over to that service now. Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to Drung for our service of Holy Communion this morning. We're going to begin with our opening hymn, Praise to the Lord. The Almighty, the King of Creation, number 365. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of Creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy help. Thank you. 
developed by Theory Gods Commandments and Asking for His Mercy. So here these commandments which God has given to His people and taken to heart. God says, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make yourself any idol. You shall not dishonor the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Lord said, and he did tell you. Lord, have mercy upon us, and right please your Lord in our eyes. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not be a false witness. You shall not covet anything which belongs to your name. Lord, have mercy upon us, and right please your Lord in our eyes. We fight for today. O Lord, Hear the prayers of your people who call upon you, and grant that we may both perceive and know what things we ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill them. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We give that to you for the first time reading, which is printed in the search sheet for Highland Church Bibles on page 555. And can any children remember what vanity means, what the word vanity means? Yeah? Brack or meaningless, uh, light, like a vapor, like a mist that goes away early. And the writer's of the Ecclesiastes is saying, Life is like a lot striving, it's just like a brack, it's in the garden. And children are going to listen out in this reading of Ecclesiastes 4, verses 1 to 16. How many times do you hear the word vanity? So Ecclesiastes 4, verses 1 to 16. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought that dead who were already dead, more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy and his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after him. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after him. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end for his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went, from his, he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. 
I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, how many times did you hear the word vanity in that reading? Yep, four times we heard the word uh, vanity. And in that reading, we also heard about the oppressions, uh, that is, people badly treating other people. And uh, it's sort of the sort of thing we see on the television, isn't it? And our all-age song uh, tells us you might have seen bad things happening on the TV, oppression, uh, bad things happening. But this song reminds us that the Lord is king, and he's going to look after everything. Let's uh, stand, if you're able, and sing The Lord is King, and Dorothy's going to help us uh, to sing this one. seated and we're going to turn to prayer.
We'll begin with the Lord's Prayer on page two of the service card. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this new Sunday. May all that is within us rejoice and praise you. May our lives rise from their prisons of death into beauty and blessedness. We thank you for all that the resurrection of Jesus means to us. That he could not be held by death. That he lives now to intercede for us in heaven and also to be our friend and companion in this world. May the gifts of his grace be poured upon us. May your Holy Spirit fill our hearts and enrich our lives. We now give ourselves to you for this day. We desire to make it a day unstained by sinful thought or word, a day for receiving new measures of the Holy Spirit, a day for coming very close to Jesus, a day for giving out blessings to others, Forgive us all our sins, cleanse and purify our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the good news from Church in Chains, that Joseph has been released from prison in Iran. Thank you that he can meet his first granddaughter, who was born while he was in prison. Please help him to recover from all he's been through. Please restore his health. Please give him courage to keep holding out your word of life in the face of severe opposition. Please may he know you as his rock and salvation, his fortress, so that he will not be shaken. Lord, in your mercy. We continue to pray for those devastated by the floods in Libya, for all who lost loved ones, for those whose loved ones are still missing. Please comfort them in their distress. We pray for peace and stability that would allow them to rebuild. We pray for repentance for any human wrongdoing that led to the worsening of this tragedy. We pray that UN teams would be allowed full access to help. We also pray for those still suffering loss in Morocco following the earthquake. Please help them. And we continue to pray for peace in Ukraine and for comfort for those who are grieving. Please protect the Ukrainians. And Lord, in all these places, as people suffer, would you lead them to the rock that is higher than them? Would you be their refuge and strong tower? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, you know what it's like to live in this broken and painful world. You are acquainted with grief and sorrow. You face more than any of us will ever face. And so we thank you that you understand whatever challenges we're facing. Thank you that you're able to sympathize with us in our weakness. Thank you that your death on the cross shows you your love for us. Please help us to trust you among the pain. We pray especially for those in pain or distress of any kind at the moment. Remembering this morning Leon Briady, Olive Simmons, Lucy Roberts, Marianne Gray, Robert, and also those grieving at the moment, remembering the family and friends of Jim Graham, of Maud Campbell, 
of Maria Turner, of Campbell Gibson, and of the Melanda family, and in a moment of quiet, any others known to us who are suffering or grieving at this time. Please would you comfort the grieving and give them your peace that the world cannot give. We ask it may please you to relieve those who are unwell from their pain and to give them patience in their suffering as you patiently endured suffering, to give them a sense of your presence and to restore them to good health. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Well, if you'd like to look up there for our second Bible reading, and you can see this in the Church Bibles. It's not printed on the sheet, but it's in the Church Bibles on page 847. Mark chapter 10 and verse 32 <clears throat> to 45. Mark 10 verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him, and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. As James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one on your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going to stand and affirm our faith together in the words of the Nicene Creed on page two of the service card. Together we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, 
the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Man, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Well, please do be seated. And if you'd like to turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, or the Church Bibles, uh, page 555. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and let's pray for God's help as we look at his word together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've spoken to us in your living word, and we pray you'd speak to us now by your Holy Spirit. Please help us to understand your word and to put it into practice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever read the, the Peanuts uh, cartoons. Maybe the children are too young to have read the Peanuts cartoons. But there's one where Sally says, uh, wake up, big brother. She wakes up her brother really early in the morning, a really early start. Uh, and Charlie Brown, still, you know, with sleep in his eyes, says, wake, wake up, wake up. Uh, why are you waking me up? Sally says, I thought you might like an early start. And Charlie Brown says, for what? I'm not going anywhere. And Sally says, that's too bad. You could have been the first one there. Well, it's a silly uh, cartoon, but it makes the point, doesn't it, that so much of life is spent rushing around, trying to be first, trying to be the first one there, not wanting to miss out. Imagine a digital recorder was, was put in your brain, and it was then replayed on a big screen. We would probably all be amazed at how much time we spend thinking about you and me. It's all about us. What most of our time is spent thinking about ourselves and how everything else relates to us, how it affects us. And the preacher of Ecclesiastes, he knows this is true. And he wants to tell us that thinking about yourself doesn't do you or anyone else much good. It was like the disciples in the gospel readings. They were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom. They wanted to be first. They wanted to be the most important. But the preacher of Ecclesiastes wants us to know we are designed for community. And the preacher is going to challenge us today to make your life about we, not me. Make your life about we, not me. The result is good for everyone. But first, the preacher shows us the painful result in living for me and not we. If we flip it around, if we live for me and not we. And then he shows us the better way. The first tragic result of living for me and not we is oppression. And that is treating others badly. Do you see verse 1? Look, I saw, again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. Think of Pharaoh oppressing God's people in Egypt, how he treated them as slaves. He treated them so badly, oppressing people. 
Uh, this week, the, the General Assembly met, and uh, the UN Secretary General spoke about global inequalities. He was talking about Libya and Derna in particular, and he was saying that some of the problems there have been caused by years of conflict, oppression, that as a result of that, the infrastructure has not been maintained, and so the dam could not cope. He said this, Derna is a sad snapshot of the state of our world, the flood of inequity, of injustice, of inability to confront the challenges in our midst. And he went on to say this, and I found this very striking. Even now, as we speak, bodies are washing ashore from the same Mediterranean Sea where billionaires sunbathe on their super yachts. It's quite a contrast, isn't it? Inequality. But it's not just in Libya. I was in Brazil in uh, 2003, and I visited people who lived on a rubbish dump. And they tried to make a living by just getting enough from the rubbish dump, enough to live, uh, enough to eat, just from the rubbish dump. And, and only 10 minutes away, there was an air-conditioned shopping center. It just seemed so wrong. Here in Ireland, we have our own issues with housing and homelessness. There, are, uh, there have been abuses of those in power, and there's been suffering, much suffering. The world is a place of oppression by the strong, and it causes such sadness that the preacher concludes, verse 2, that the dead are better off. I thought the dead, who are already dead, more fortunate than the living, who are still alive. In fact, he goes even further and says that the evil and the oppression is so bad, it would have been better not to be born, in verse 3. Well, that's a cheery sermon, isn't it? But it's realistic. How did it get to this? It's not how God made it in the first place. God created people to live in harmony with him and with each other. That was how God made it to be. But people didn't want God to be God. They thought they knew better. They thought God's ways were not best. They thought perhaps he was holding them back from something. And so they sinned. And the result was devastating. Not just was the relationship with God broken, but the relationship with each other was broken. And they began to strive against one another. It wasn't long before the first murder happened as Cain murdered his brother Abel. Why? Because he was jealous of him. And it went from bad to worse. <clears throat> but years later, God called Israel to be his special people. And Israel were meant to show the world what God is like, how good God is. That The nations around them were meant to look at Israel and say, your God must be a great God. He's so good. The commandments he's given you are so good. The way he's told you to live are so good. They were meant to, to think about each other's interests, to love their neighbor. They were meant uh, to, to not oppress one another. They were meant to, to hold property in a, in, in a way that it meant it was passed on and no one sort of held on to it for too long. And, and they weren't meant to charge interest on loans. They, they were also meant to care for the poor and the needy. They were meant to care for the foreigner among them. They weren't meant to harvest right the way to the edges of the field so that there was enough left over for those who didn't have any. It was meant to be fairly distributed. But even in Israel, that is not what the preacher sees. What does he see instead? He sees oppression. And where does it come from? Well, he says in verse 4, Then I saw that all toil and all skill in work come from a man's envy 
of his neighbor. God said, love your neighbor. And Israel said, no, we'll envy our neighbor. And what happens when you envy your neighbor, you try and catch up with them? Well, what happens? You trample on others who are below you to try and reach their level. You trample on, it doesn't matter who you trample on, you just work away to, to get to their level. And is it worth it? Well, he says no, end of verse 4. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. It's emptiness. It's a striving after wind. You can't grab it. It won't get you anything. And so what should we do? Well, the preacher gives us three options as to what we should do. And the first is there in verse 5. It's a strange thing. It's verse 5. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. That's the first option, to fold your arms. What does that mean, to fold your arms? Well, if you've got your arms folded, you probably can't do too much work, can you? So the first option is to do no work, to say, right, I'm not going to work. If there's no point, if I can't get ahead, if it's just striving after the wind, then I'll just not work. But where does that lead to? Well, uh, if you're able to work and you choose not to work, where does it lead to? Eats his own flesh. What does that mean? I think it means that if you refuse to work and you're able to work, well, not only will you have nothing to share with anyone else, but you'll not have anything to eat yourself. And so you have to eat your own flesh. There'll be nothing for you to, to eat. So that doesn't seem to be a good option, does it? That first option, he says, in fact, that's the fool that does that. If you're able to work, uh, you should work. But the fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. That, that's not a good option. There's a better option, verse 6. Better is a handful of quietness. It's better to have a handful of quiet. What does that mean? Well, handful means one, not two. It means being content with what you have, not constantly striving for more. Work to have enough to, to enjoy and to share it with others, but not constantly striving for more. Receiving what you have as a gift from the Lord. Enjoying it with quietness, not with stress, but enjoying it with quietness. Don't be driven by envy. Don't trample on others. Enjoy receiving God's gifts with an open hand. You realize that there's two ways to have enough. You can either have enough by constantly trying to get more and more and more and more, or you can have enough by desiring less. To say, I have enough. One handful is enough. And the preacher says that's better. It's better to enjoy a little with others than to be constantly striving for more for yourself. But that is the third option he gives in verse 6, to strive for yourself. Uh, verse 6, two hands full of toil and a striving after wind, rushing around, always seeking more, always busy, but never actually having any time to enjoy it. Always worrying about making tomorrow better for you, driven by envy, you trample on others. But where does it lead to, he says, verse 6, well, it leads to uh, striving after the wind, full of toil, stress, and a striving after wind. Well, what's a striving after wind? It's emptiness, isn't it? It doesn't satisfy. Here's someone who's left with loads of money, but verses 7 to 8 show us he's miserable, he's isolated, he's got no one to eat with, no one to share it with, no one to enjoy it with. Maybe we could think of someone like Zacchaeus, who had loads of money, but no one to eat with. Everyone avoided him. Well, next the preacher shows us a better way. Verses 9 to 12, he gives us three examples of why community is better than isolation. 
Why life should be lived for we and not me. You see, if you live for yourself, you may get ahead, but there'll be pits that you fall into that you have to dig yourself out of. There'll be cold, lonely nights, and there'll be battles that you'll need to face alone. But if you live for others, there'll be people to help you when you fall. That's what he says in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. There's people to help you, to stand with you, to keep you warm. Life is best lived in community with others. And that is how the early church worked. We saw it when we looked at the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, we saw that they delighted in spending time with each other. They ate together, shared meals together, shared life. They prayed together. There was no one in need. What a blessing a church family should be. A family to care for you, to lift you up, to pray with you. Certainly is one of the advantages to being part of a a small group, a Bible study group, where you can uh, look at the Bible together and share with one another and pray with one another and help one another, encourage one another. He does speak about this community at the end of verse 12. He says, and though a man might prevail against him, one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This might simply mean by involving more people in, in, in your life, it'll, be, it'll give you strength. It may be that it's including God in that, including God in your life. There's certainly a great blessing, isn't there, to including uh, God, to living under his rule, to living with his people in his way, including uh, having community with God's people leads to great blessing. And so the challenge of the preacher is to make your life we and not me. Not doesn't mean you have to move in with someone else if you're living on your own, but to live in community with others, to just spend time, to share your life with others. Uh, coming up soon is the shoebox appeal, and that's a great way that people sort of work together. And there's a great buzz about it as they work as a community towards a common goal. Make life we, not me. But how should we act in community? And the preacher ends with this rather strange story about a king a a king and it's a story that teaches us that in community we need to be teachable willing to learn he says it's better to be poor and teachable than to reach the top and not listen here is a man who rises to the top Uh, we're told he was in prison he was poor and he rose to the top and he became king But it would have been better for him to stay poor and listen to others than to rise to the top. Even at the top, there was no end to his toil. You get a flavor of that in verse 16. There was no end to all the people. It's the same phrase as verse 8. There was no end to all his toil. There's no end to all the people, to all those he led. And yet what happens? He dies and he's replaced. And they don't rejoice over him. What gain is there? It's a striving after wind. What good is it? Well, we're left a, a bit with that question of the, the UN secretary or his statement about Derna, where he said, Derna is a sad snapshot of the state of our world. The flood of inequity, of injustice, of inability to confront the challenges in our midst. The nations can't work together. How can we fix it? Can we, can we fix the problem ourselves? Can we fix the problem of oppression and of selfish envy that leads to all these problems? Well, no, our only hope 
is in the one man who didn't use his power to serve himself, but to serve others. The only one who lived perfectly we, not me. The one who in our gospel reading said, don't strive for great position, but seek to serve others. He said the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And it's only when you've been served by him that you can serve others. You see, if we ask him to forgive us, he will give us a new heart, just as he did for Zacchaeus. You think of Zacchaeus and the change that Jesus made to him as he went from being a lonely rich man to a generous, well, and presumably poorer man as he shared his wealth. He repaid those who he'd robbed and he had a dinner party. And tax collectors and sinners came along. He became someone who was we and not me. We can't fix the problem. One day God will when he returns to judge the living and the dead. But until then, seek to follow the example Jesus gave us of serving one another. He laid down his life, as we'll remember in communion in just a moment, for every time we've envied, for every time we've oppressed, for every time we've put ourselves first. Let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, living in this world is often hard and confusing. Thank you that you came not to be served, but to serve and give your life as a ransom for many. Please, may we be those numbered among the many who trust you, who are served by you, so that you change our hearts, that we might become a people who are concerned about we and not me. We ask that we would serve you with our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to respond by singing about what Christ came to do to serve us in this next song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Stand to sing.
moment we'll just have to say goodbye to those online uh, because we're going to have communion together now. Um, but we will just have the announcement before we say goodbye to those online. And uh, you'll see tonight there's a harvest service in Valley Hayes, uh, joined by Roger and Kelly from the Frontiers, who um, they're a Christian charity seeking to work among Muslims, uh, seeking to bring the good news of Jesus to them. So do join us in Valley Hayes this evening as he speaks about the harvest that is plentiful. And uh, that's 8 p.m. in Valley Hayes. Uh, on Wednesday, we've got Bible study at the Rectory um, at 8.30. Stradone Jumps and Boys on Thursday morning at 10 a.m. In Touch is happening on Thursday from 3 30 till 5. And then next Sunday is the harvest here in Drum at 3 p.m. Uh, GFS will be starting on the 6th of October. And the date ahead for you is the men's conference, the Camp Christian Men's Conference, Saturday the 11th of November at 9.30 to 1 p.m. in Hill Christian Fellowship. And we've got the Venerable David Pass from Donegal, group of parishes coming to speak about being true sons of God. Well, we're going to turn now to say sorry to God for the times we've lived for ourselves, put ourselves first, not wanting to go God's way. And we're going to do that in the words of confession on page four, and then read the introduction, and then we'll join in the words of confession. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, intercede for us in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. Let us then confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace. So together we pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought and word and deed, and in what we've left undone. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may walk in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Jesus said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so I can pray with confidence, Almighty God who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, we then had Holy Communion, so I'll just give you the announcements now, and then uh, I'll play the final hymn, which is Rock of Ages. And the announcements this week is there's Bible study, uh, prayer meeting actually on Wednesday night at 8.30. Um, our next in touch will be on Thursday the 12th of October at 3.30 till 5pm. So let me just play this final hymn for you. Uh, Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling.
Let's close our time together with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.